Hi, welcome to GovTech Talks. I'm Jen Bensey. And I'm Tiffany Wright. GovTech Talks tells the positive stories of technology being used in the public sector to better their communities. Today, we're talking with Brad Swayze, who was the interim executive director at Louisiana Housing Corporation until recently moving to the private sector. Thanks for joining us today, Brad. We're excited to chat with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Well, um, Bradley, maybe we could just start out with you telling us a little bit about your career path and what brought you um, into where you are today. Okay. Um, I can make it short. I can make it long, but I'll make it short. Uh, my career path has always basically always been in the housing world. Um, you know, I grew up um, as a grant. My, my father was a vice president for one of the big, large firms that had um, um, real estate. You may have heard of him, Smith Barney. We would make money the old-fashioned way. Um, and so he, I grew up being the groundskeeper, the pool boy, the maintenance man, you know, all the way up to uh, becoming an assistant manager. And then we applied and received some Section 8, and, 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 and that sort of entered my, my life into being into government housing. Uh, from there, um, I went to work at the Kentucky Housing Corporation um, as a, just a regular line staff in the Section 8 department. And over the course of my career, I um, was moved around because um, the, the CEO sort of took a liking to me. So I, I sort of got moved around so I could see the whole picture, uh, and then eventually became a chief officer there. Uh, then after uh, Katrina hit, um, I was recruited to come down to the state of Louisiana, which I did, um, to help them with some of the recovery efforts. And then at that time, there was an agency called the Louisiana Housing Finance Agency, LHFA. And they changed legislation and they created, like the Kentucky Housing Corporation, they, could, they created the Louisiana Housing Corporation, which basically moved all the housing programs under one umbrella. And from there, I um, became the uh, chief operating officer um, and then eventually the interim executive director. And now I'm out um, enjoying life in the private sector. Um, yeah, I, it's funny because we we have this conversation a lot with government um, officials and, and the civil servants. Like a lot of times if you are in the private sector, then you end up retiring in the public sector. And if you're in the public sector, then you end up in the private sector. It's kind of weird. And you end up going back to the private sector usually if you go to the public sector. But, um, you know, we really value all the people in the public sector who help all of the people. Um, but we were saying, you know, when you're in the private sector, you get to help too. You get to help a lot of different communities and a lot of different government agencies. So. Yeah, but one other thing, I just just tying this back into uh, technology and, and and innovation and stuff. That um, when I was at the Kentucky Housing Corporation, I was the chief programs officer. And there, at that time, when I started my career in housing, we we didn't have we had dolls, we didn't have emails, and so we slowly began to get into that. And we had uh, we had a, a CEO a CEO who was very progressive thinking. So. In the early 2000s, we, we started becoming paperless. I mean, about then, and we went to universal uh, online applications and stuff like that. And um, he put me over the technology department. And, and so, because we didn't have a chief information officer, that title didn't exist. And so he said, hey, I'm putting technology under you. And, and I became the chief information. And, and I didn't know anything really about computers and technology. And so... Um, and we did that. It was fun because I got to bridge the gap between program folks and IT folks. And, and we hired what we call business analysts, uh, business support analysts, business systems analysts. You know what title you want to give. But that enabled me to to see that there are two worlds. It's almost like male and female. Sometimes they talk and communicate differently. And then you can actually have 
in your own company, one group of people who talk and think one way and another group of people who talk and think one way. But if you can get them, if you can bridge the gap, then um, you'll see innovation. You'll see um, uh, technology sort of help you reduce your cost. And, and I got to see that firsthand as we went paperless, as we became automated, as we um, introduced new systems, you know, having the, the inspectors go out, getting rid of their clipboards and picking up a, a tablet where they do their inspections on tablets and, and having to experience them frustration doing that. But then eventually after years can go by, but that's how they lived. You know, they lived with their clipboards and plugging it in when they went home. So I just wanted to share that, that, that perspective I had um, of growing from the program into the technology area. And, and that's sort of where I lived when I went to the LHC. It's okay. We've got to embrace technology. We've got, We've got to embrace it and, t and bring it in because that's how we're going to improve the way we do processes. Yeah, it's so true. And um, another thing kind of on that same note, too, is we've seen that the no-code, low-code space has kind of exploded recently in government in the government space. And I think that's a really great way to bridge the gap as well and help that relationship between IT and the people with the boots on the ground. Because if the people with the boots on the ground have a little bit more power to build out their own solutions and applications or make changes um, or, or have like some skin in the game, so to say, um, it can help bridge that relationship as well. So exciting things happening right now. Um, can you talk a little bit more about your move to the private sector and kind of how you plan to use your experience now in the private sector to help others? Sure. So um, being in the public sector, um, I, I got you know, um, got used to seeing things from a different from a different point of view in, in that um, basically you, you lived off a budget and you, you had the you had the opportunities to either expand production, not expand production, but you basically were 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 fixed into a line of how you're going to operate because you have federal rules for one, but you also have federal budgets that control how big you can get and how small you have to be. And that also relates down to the, your partners in, in the public sector world. You basically at, at the high level that we were as the housing corporation, you're not, we're not doing the work. You fund that money out into the local communities, either through municipalities or down to nonprofits or to for-profit developers. And by making, you live and die off admin. So by making everything easier and smoother, you're not, you're not trying to get rid of people or lay them off or anything like that, but you try to create efficiencies so that the cost of doing and delivering your product, which at the end of the day is helping people, in many cases in the housing world, you're saving people's lives. You're helping them get off the street. Um, you're you're helping uh, build new houses. You're, you're you're addressing the lead-based paint issue, the asbestos issue. You're you're doing so much in the community that the cost, if it costs you so much to deliver the dollar to serve people, then you're able to you're not serving as many people. And so technology, like we were just talking about with the with the clipboards and stuff like that, if if the inspector by enabling uh, him to have to be able to do three or four more inspections a day because of technology and the efficiency, that means that much more production is going to happen. And so my move into the private sector um, was really about, um, Hey, I think I've, I've lived my life in, in the public sector. I think I've, I've, I've ran its course and um, it's time to sort of almost like, almost like um, 
you know, uh, leaving the farm. I was going to say Clint, you know, Clark Clint, but I'm no, I'm no Superman or anything. But that same analogy, you know, that hey, it's time to leave the farm and go into the, the into the metropolis. And 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 I was getting requests and asked, and and, and I just saw an opportunity. Okay, um, if it would help me in my career as I'm getting older um, to to see things from a from a different perspective. And and who knows? You were mentioning it earlier. Um, there's been a lot of folks who have gone to the private sector and come back and they bring back to the public sector, new tech, new techniques to new technology. And I'm not saying I'm going back, um, but having, having that, this is how it works in the public world and the public sector world where you, you know, and, and now having the ability to, to use the same knowledge and, 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 and experience, if you will, uh, on the private sector side. So I, I believe what I'm going to be able to do is to communicate when we're when we're talking to cities and municipalities, states, you know, federal agencies, state agencies. I think I can see it from their point of view. And where we were just saying a few minutes ago, most technology and most innovation and most most advances are either stalled or successful because of the line staff and because of the support staff and because of the middle management. That's where that's where it's going to either be successful or not be successful, because they they ultimately control production, and so that part of what I think I can bring to the table is how to communicate one down the ranks and to where you you create because I've lived it where you create an environment where you're not looking for layoffs, you're looking for an attrition, you're looking for opportunities for everyone to succeed and make their life easier. Well, I'm sure that all of the public sector agencies you'll end up working with in your new role will probably be really appreciative of that firsthand experience that you bring to each one of the engagements that you'll be touching in the future. So let's go back a little bit to uh, Louisiana Housing Corporation and their mission and a little bit more about what uh, who they're serving and the type of services they provide and maybe any of the key programs you participated in while you were there. Um that, that ultimately serve the citizens. Okay, sure. Um, the, the first thing that that the home program is the largest federal housing program that HUD has that um, addresses um, housing needs it, from home ownership to homeowner repair. That means someone owns their home and is dilapidated to providing rental production and also tenant based rental assistance. So it's it's a very broad program. And it's HUD's one, like I said, one of HUD's largest annually, specifically only home housing program. Um, what we saw at LHC, and again, coming from Kentucky Housing, where we were very pushed with innovation and stuff like that, and, and, and again, having going paperless, you know, almost 20 years ago, where that this was unheard of, um, and experiencing that. Um, and then coming to uh, the Louisiana Housing Corporation, where there wasn't really a system of record. Uh, you have, of course, your accounting system of record, but you didn't have your process system of record. You didn't have an application that managed um, clients that um, are applying for funds uh, to awarding funds to managing the disbursements and all. It was basically done through Access or Excel spreadsheets. And also, uh, the, there's a, there's this annual certification that has to be done for certain nonprofits, and all that too was done through access or spreadsheets. And and what we what I've noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed it too, is over the years, emails 
are no longer a way to manage your business. They're no, you know, they, they were cool and fun at the time because you could communicate quickly. I, you know, back in the day, I remember standing at the fax machine, uh, back in the old days at the fax machine and everybody would come stand around and watch the, this, Hey, it's getting ready to run. And this big long piece of paper would come out. Well, that's the way emails were for many years. It was like, Hey, emails, I can communicate. I can talk to people. Well, now emails have become so much that you basically are bogged down. You know, emails are almost in, in a way they're, they're a hindrance to doing production. Um, and so portals, apps, um, real-time communication, where, and, and space is so important. Space, you know, in, in space, not only in filing cabinets, but in your, on your servers and everything like that. And so all that is so important that having a system that can folks can upload real-time, like you can pick up the phone, you can, you can even shoot a, a message in, in the portal or, or like that and say, hey, I don't have your W-2 or, hey, I don't see your signed construction draw. And it comes instantly and it doesn't have to travel across the whole corporation. You know, it travels across the whole corporation. Each, each functional area, be it the inspector, be it the compliance officer, be it the legal department, everyone doesn't have to make a copy and keep one in their file. It's all universally held in a system that everyone can see that needs to see it. And it's only copied and it's only it's only in one location at one time. It's not living in multiple places. Um, so when when um, we took this opportunity with um, with uh, QuickBase and with Team Title, Team Solutions, it was like, hey, let's build this system out, focus on the home program um, and because it's the most complex. And then at the at the end, when this is over with, we'll see that and the staff will see and every department will see, okay, hey, this is how we can do business. I can I can pick up my phone, right? And I can make sure that my project, no matter what level staff you are, if you're the if you're the executive, you can look and see where everything is. If you're the line staff, you can pick it up and see, okay, I know exactly what I've got to get done today and, and this is how I'm gonna do it. I hope I'm answering your question, but that's, that's the whole point was that the, the LHC was ready to step and, and it was almost a blessing. And, and I'll say that like this, uh, because of the technology that they hadn't experienced, because if they were, if they did have a system of record, if it was, they did have an enterprise system, it would be harder for them to get out of that and, and migrate into something like QuickBase um, than, it, 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 than it is just starting from scratch and, 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 Folks that are used to an, an enterprise system, especially one that's the, sort of the, the old style, the way that the way QuickBase and, and, and systems are built now, they're just so user friendly. I mean, they're, they're they're you can get on your app, you can get on your computer, and you can set up your own screens, your own viewings. You just didn't you just didn't have those back in probably five or six years ago that I was aware of. Yeah, that's um. I'm glad you kind of got into that because I was going to ask about kind of how you were managing processes before QuickBase, but you you got into that a little bit. I've heard some crazy stories of things that are being managed by email, like emergency management services in the middle of an emergency. Um, so, you know, there's still a lot of opportunity out there to um, get these processes more modernized. Um, can you talk a little bit more about in detail about how you used QuickBase at LHC and like kind of um, some of the things you were tracking in it. I know you were tracking stuff for home, but can you, for those people who don't really know what that means, can you talk more about that and maybe um, some of the things that you were able to gain from it? 
Okay, my, my first introduction to QuickBase was through the emergency rental assistance program that was um, came down from Congress, and it was the, the billions of dollars that were going to help folks pay rent during um, during the COVID crisis. And so that was my first introduction to QuickBase. And, and while, that, while that sort of wet my whistle, if you will, it was being able to, one, hey, you've got a bunch of money, and everyone, at the moment it's appropriated and deposited into the account, you, you've got everyone looking at you, just, okay, spend it, get it out the door. You know, so you had the money before you even had a system, before you even had a, a way to get the money out the door. QuickBase was able to create a platform from where literally we had 40,000 applicants in one day apply, right? And so that's, you weren't able to do that back in our days. Uh, you would have to, you'd have to take their information or, or have them put in, you, you could only gather so much. The quick base. There are only so many clipboards available, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And, 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 the, and, and the quick base system in, in establishing the ERAP program, and that, so that's how I got into it, was, was hmm, we can take 40,000 applicants, one, and it's not, the system's not bogging down and slowing down, you know, and, and you can get all, they can upload all their documents. You, you, can, you can help the applicants, so from the user outside looking in, they're able to manage themselves with giving their lease, giving their income, uh, all the requirements that are needed to determine their eligibility. They're able to do that. One, they can do it from their phone or their computer, and, and, or they can call in and the person on the line can do that for them. So all this is happening real time. And then you have your staff members, your team members, who are able then now to quickly verify all that stuff. And you can send through QuickBase. We were able to do feeds. We were able to find out, you know, to do link them up to other federal programs pretty quickly to say, okay, yeah, this is who they are. This is where they live, you know, because QuickBase did all that. It could tell it, it locked in the addresses and all that stuff. So being able to, to see that it can handle, you know, tens of thousands of applicants at once, and being able to disperse millions of dollars a day, um, you know, um, was like, okay, I think it can handle the home program, which is hundreds, you know, we're talking hundreds of applicants, we're talking very small scale. And so that was really what led me to go when the light bulb went off. It's like, and seeing that, okay, as, as, <laughs> as you're sitting there, especially with teams, team solutions, and I'm sitting there with, with this, with their team and, and AJ and, a, and they're, they've got a quick base up on the screen and they're saying, okay, tell me what, tell me how the process flow and they're, they're built. You can actually see it being built and you know, right then and there, and you can sort of see that the, 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 all the steps, the, 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 the um, checks and balances, you know, the, the separation of duties and all that stuff, and all the way from, the application, because in, in the housing world, the application implementation phase is very difficult, but that's only 10% of where the project lives. The project lives in the compliance world, mostly 90% of its life after something's built. Now you've got to, now that the agency has to manage it and oversee it for 20 years. So that little small phase of it being built and, and, and applying for funds, that's really the smallest part of the, the life cycle of, of a project. The largest part is here and seeing them seeing them build that out and, and basically have a, a, a system that with all the controls, all the checks and balances, with all the sign-offs within weeks was, that's what changed my life. That's what changed the way I view things. And it's like, so th this, this is a game changer for federal agencies, state agencies and municipalities. So with the um, bulk of that being in the compliance side, 
what happens ultimately if LHC isn't fulfilling their compliant uh, compliance regulations? I mean, does that impact the funding that you have and ultimately being able to house citizens and provide those services? Or what ultimately happens if you have gaps there? Well, you you have to pay the federal government back for anything that they deem excessive and excessive funding, and that's where Quick Quick Base um, was ideal because from the application intake through the award, you know, the, the, the before pre closing and the closing, it it helped it helps the user, it helps the agency prevent because you have the built in requirements. You put in the federal requirements, you and, and the system is going to say no, we can't move forward or when you lock a loan down, it's going to it's going to keep it locked down. Uh, so it and plus you don't not going to be losing paperwork from here to there because of the, you have documents going all across the corporation. Um, all that is protected and used in in the QuickBase system, you know, the app, if you will. Um, and so it reduces the potential for for failure or, or findings. But ultimately, if if when HUD comes in and it happens, that you see it a lot, um, not just the LAC losing, but it happens when HUD comes in, they do their monitoring. If they see a large enough finding, then it's either um, a, a monetary, you got to repay it, or they're going to withhold funds, you know, from the next year. So that's the ultimate risk of, of being out of compliance is losing money and being penalized, which, again, only hurts the citizens. Yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking. It's really that risk mitigation is something that helps, I'm sure, everybody in the agency sleep better at night, but also it's just ensuring that the mission can be continued, right, for years. Yeah, and and, and what I saw with QuickBase is, is um, because it's a QuickBooks and, and we have nonprofits out there, you know, that um, don't have the big corporation, the housing corporation, we have an accounting department, we have a legal department, we have all, the, all those fun things. Nonprofits usually don't have that. Um, and so part of what we wanted to do and what the step was, okay, let's get QuickBase in, let's build the system out, but then let's provide user access and, 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 and user rights then to a QuickBooks system so that they can do all their accounting and all their books and everything. Because if, if we have to pay their salary, which in some cases we do when they, when they invoice, um, we, have their to pay, we have their payroll, their timesheets, we have all their expenses. It can, it can morph quickly into the QuickBase system. So when at the end of the year, when, when operational grants are being uh, processed, we just make it a lot easier. You know, we're not getting stacks of paper that, you know, you can barely read. You're, it's in the QuickBooks, QuickBase system. Thanks for, for talking through that. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, since you're already kind of talking about it, like a little bit more about how you interacted with these nonprofits um, with within QuickBase or any other solutions that you use, you know, and how um, I know you mentioned like applications, being able to update them. Um, but also curious if you are also working with local governments and helping fund them as well. Um, if you could just talk a little bit about how you were interacting with like those outside parties while at LHC within QuickBase? Sure. Well, it, it, when I had left, it, it hasn't been deployed yet, if you will. Um, QuickBase with the not with the with the home funds. Now, Quick QuickBase with the ERAP program um, was was there. It, it, that's uh, 
for the local municipalities who also got it. Their, the 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 quick base system would for the what we what we call a balance of states. So uh, the state's portion of the funds, and then you had other jurisdictions like New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and others. Um, applicants wouldn't because they, if they were coming through the state's portion, they could apply and they would see, okay, you're not you're not in the state's jurisdiction. You're in Baton Rouge's jurisdiction, um, and the system gave you that, but just by typing in your address. Um, on on the the LAC side, when we were doing the home programs, that that was part of it. So that was part of why we wanted to do this. That there is wasn't really a good, innovative, efficient, effective way for nonprofits and the agency to communicate. It was done through emails. It was done through a SharePoint portal uh, that some people logged into and some people didn't. And it just it wasn't that user friendly. Uh, and so that was part of it. Let's create this. We have to we have to um, certify nonprofits every year. Many of them, we have to pay for their operating costs or a portion of their operating costs. And we also have to, f to help them build the units every year. And email is killing us. Uh, one, mail is killing us. And, and because things may get lost in the mail or I got an email, I didn't get it, I didn't see it. And so it, you're causing production problems. Um, so the, this this idea of QuickBase was to, okay, let's... Let's all put ourselves into a real-time management situation where there is no guessing of where a project's at. If it's if it's in the environmental phase, if it's in if it's in the compliance phase, if it's in we're waiting on a draw, uh, that the quick base system would allow it's it, it like we're doing right now. It would allow for real-time interaction for a nonprofit, and, and so the nonprofits who are out there, like you said, out in the field doing boots on the ground, they don't have when they're purchasing a, a house or if they're trying to purchase a house, they don't have, they don't have much time to waste because the private sector will move. it will be like, well, I ain't going to mess with this nonprofit anymore because it takes too long for them to make a decision. It takes too long for them to buy the house. It takes too long for them to do anything. So I'm just not fooling with them. And then that hurts the federal government. That hurts the pro the program, you know, in the long run, because then you start losing participants who are going to want to deal with you. And so that's what part of this uh, concept was, is, okay, now through the home program and, and part of what one of the programs that we call is czar, and it's basically going out, buying a house that's on the market, getting it ready and selling it to a low income person. You can't do that if you don't have a system that can move quickly because the private sector won't wait for you. So how was that change managed within the agency that, uh, I mean, if, especially if you're going from nothing to, you know, automation and all kinds of great features like that, how, how is that managed? Um, it's managed through, uh, please use the system. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> oh, you went the polite path, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, no uh, you get there by and one, one, uh, you, the, the team gets to participate from the very beginning on the requirements and they get to see, that because anytime you're introducing something like that, it's like, okay, they're trying to get rid of me. They're trying to take my job, you know, and that's not the case. You want to make things easier. And and when you have a team that's got a lot on their plate, right. And then they can see, okay, this system right here is going to help me not make mistakes. It's going to help me get, it's going to make me look good because projects are going to move faster. I'm going to be more responsive. I'm going to be able to show, you know, in, in the system, you can actually see all the production I'm doing. You know, it's and so you get their buy-in, 
And you sh- and, and they're able to see from the legal department, again, I can say that from the legal department, from the compliance department, from the accounting department, all across, the, everyone gets to see, hmm, this program, this system, this application um, is going to make everything much easier. Nothing's going to get lost. Uh, there's not going to be, you know, the one thing that happens in career and in life is, is in what creates accountability is not having a system, not having operation, standard operating procedures. And that creates an, an opportunity for people to point fingers. So if you don't have, if you don't have a, a, a standard operating procedure, which QuickBase helps you create, then you have a void of, okay, it's not my fault, it's this. You know, there's, no, there's no way to say where the breakdown is. Having a system that can work with you and create a good operating procedure it allows you to not point fingers, but it says, okay, here's where the breakdown is. Here's where we're having snags, and that way you fix it, you address it, and we move on. So that's the one thing about the QuickBase and the application system that, that is really new in, in our world is that it, you don't have to manage your program or design your programs based on the system. You can design your your system can be designed based upon what's the best way to deliver the product to the citizens. That's new. It used not to be that way. It used to be, okay, here's how the system works. And you have to, in order, if you're going to use it, then you're going to, your programs are going to have to conform to how the system works. QuickBase allows you to be creative, flexible, you, you to, going back to flipping a house. And in essence, that's what that is. That's our program. It's buying a house and, and fixing it and getting it into the hands of someone who needs it, who's low income. You can create that process based upon the market, the private sector, based upon how the, how the, um, the agency works, and then the system will roll around that. You don't have to be boxed in to the, by the way the system wants you to run it. Yeah, and it's funny. Um, not only do you have to conform to what they want you to do, but you also usually have to pay them tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of th- millions of dollars to implement the solution for you. It'll take a year and a half, and by the time it's done, all of your requirements have changed. So, um, QuickBase can really help you get away from being like, tied down by services. Yeah. And- yeah, and I think what's what's really helped create that, and so these the, the old way that, and I say the old way, and it's only like four or five years out, was the big box enterprise systems had a huge market, and it was easier for them to set up their 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 system based upon the most generic way. And and if you had Chicago, Cleveland, if you had other places that had new creative ways of delivering, then that's where the home program is meant to be flexible then they couldn't, if they changed it at their end, then they were, it was going to affect every, all their clients from, from Washington all the way down to Tampa, you know, where QuickBase, you know, you can be creative. It's, it's, it's a controlled system, but it can be flexible within weeks of programming to what that area wants to do uniquely. And that's, that's so that's, I think that's part of the change that's, that has evolved in the technology system. And have you talked to any other agencies across the country about this? Do you know of any others that have kind of taken it on a similar project? I'm talking with them in that, hey, there's this new product out there called QuickBase. And even though QuickBase has been around, but, it, but there's this new way of managing your federal funds. And so, uh, it, and that's why when we're having our conversations with, with the development team, it's like, hey, um, you look at some of these RFPs and sometimes they may look like a pipe dream, but they're not a pipe dream now anymore. Um, you can actually, as from a municipality, you can manage your transportation, your health and human services, 
your housing. You can manage all that into one application. And that wasn't being able to be done before. And so those now that now that now that the folks on the government end are seeing this because ERAP and other programs um, or federal programs have, have opened the door, are able to see that I can manage multiple funding sources in one system. I don't have to have system A for housing, system B for community development, system C for transportation. You know, I can have one system that enables me to handle all of that, and not only as a system of record for the pro program, but also a financial system of record for the accounting purposes. And did the dashboards and insights that you were um, that that you got as a result of inputting that data there was that more valuable than what you were doing before? Like, were you able to make better decisions based off of seeing the dashboards? Yeah, because the the, the big enterprise system of records, uh, some of them had good reporting tools and some of them didn't, and so the, you were relying a lot on either if you were building out what we call business objects or if you were using. Um, um, system reporting services to you'd have to in essence a lot of times create your own reports through your own database um, trying to pull from their dip, different multiple uh, software systems so but that's actually that's the dashboard and looking at the that the apps you know that you can plug into and you can have a, a summary of it all that's what started to give me the idea is, is I don't we don't have to have a system like even even within the housing corporation, you have different enterprise systems for weatherization, for paying uh, um, um, energy bills, you know, from doing your homeless programs. You had you have multiple different systems there still that um, that you had to manage. And so when I saw those apps like that, I was like, hey, one system, one stop shop, if you will, and one I don't have to have I don't have to log into different things to get information in the morning when I come in as the executive, I can pull up my app and push a button and see one, I can merge them all together or two, I can look at them individually. I can go micro, I'm going macro. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the other technology that you have had the privilege of using in your career that have had a direct impact on your citizens? Were there any other projects, whether it was at Kentucky or Louisiana, um, that you worked on that were particularly um, impactful to your community? Yeah, the, um, when we were in Kentucky, there was um, a program, there was a development we did, recovery um, um, Recovery Kentucky, and it was recovery centers. And as we were as we were working on building that, there's a system also with HUD called the HMIS system. Um, we built that um, the recovery system to um, sort of mimic that. But what started to open my eyes, and that's why that's why this quick base and, and why we've we've got to get to the point to where because it's it's doable um, that we could see folks who were. We could we could track them if 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 they were in Covington, Kentucky, and then or if they moved down to Paducah, um, just by plugging in the information. It seemed a little intrusive at the time, but you know, having having a um, a thumbprint or a fingerprint, um, it's like boom, okay, this person was here, now they're here. Um, that that started to really open my eyes up. Um, again, going back to the inspectors, you know, um, having inspections done, cold inspections, uh, quality inspections done, um, not on a piece of paper that 
has to get mailed into to the corporation, you know, to the headquarters, you know, that's in Frankfurt, you know, so going back to Paducah, which is down real far away, waiting two or three days uh, for the uh, for the mail to come so you can get the inspection. And then you couldn't read it because, you know, I won't say his name, but, you know, they have, they have bad, <laughs> they have bad <laughs> handwriting. <laughs> and but so then you have, you have, you have the ability through, through a tablet where they're plugging it out. And back then they would have to go home and plug it in and upload it. And then it would come to the corporation. Now it's all real time. You know, they have data access. So being able, and, and how that speeds things up again is it gets money out the door faster. And if, for developers and contractors who are going to do business with an agency, it's like, I don't want to wait 45, 60 days, sometimes half a year to get paid. That, that, that limit those few hours and few days and few and weeks and, and getting processes done just speeds everything up so much. It, it makes that. I think it's easy. I think it's easy to overlook the, you know, the need for the process to be easy for those who are in the private sector doing business with LHC and with Kentucky housing commission, you know, it's gotta be an easy process for them to want to keep doing business with the state so that ultimately they get that housing ready for the citizens. And I think it's an often overlooked component there that, you know, the, the technology has to be easy to use uh, for their side, because ultimately, you know, if you have one construction company that's willing to work with the state, that's not a lot of homes being built for people to live in um, compared to, you know, everybody feeling comfortable about doing business with the state. So I think that's, a, that's, that's really an interesting component. I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, and, and, and where I see it going with QuickBase and they have it, it's just QuickBase is going to make it, is going to take it to another level, but being able to have this data in the system, easily accessible, easily, easy to put in, then you're able to, as a taxpayer, you're able to feel comfortable knowing that there's not just waste. You're not building apartments and, and you're able to, one, you know the cost uh, because everything is real time. Each, each, each property is, is reporting itself. And so you know where the vacancies are. So um, it's like, well, we don't need to build here. we got high vacancies in this area. Um, and you're also able to, when an emergency or catastrophe strikes, you're also able to look into your system quickly and see, okay, who was impacted, who wasn't impacted, and where can we help maneuver people uh, to get them into a safe place to live? Well, I noticed a project that was online, the Lehman Art Lofts. And I just wondered if that was perhaps one of the projects that was brought in under this, or if there was another project that you knew of that uh, might be a specific example of something that was kind of tracked and measured from beginning to end uh, on the system. Well, the R loss or not, that's not, that's not in, the, uh, it's going to migrate. The, the system will eventually get there. Um, what you're seeing, what you're seeing now with the quick win, if you will, with the quick base um, is, is, the nonprofits being able to, um, the first part that was built out was doing their designation and getting their operating funds paid. Um, and so across the board, there's probably, um, there's like 19 of these, these nonprofits, but um, a good 15 of them receive operating funds from the agency to pay their salaries, to pay for overhead and costs like that, which was taking months for the agency to process because of, of, of the paper way of doing it. 
um, and even even t taking months to get them certified. So the system, the first part of the system that was built out with QuickBase was was that designation piece and operating fund piece, where um, they have to, they can demonstrate that every year they have to demonstrate that they're compliant with the federal regulations as a nonprofit and they meet the board requirements and all the there's 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 like twelve steps that that the nonprofits have to meet in order to qualify, and then to quickly be able to upload and and provide what operating costs they had over the past year that is eligible to be reimbursed. So that project was the first piece that was built out and is, in, in, is actually available and being used. And then the second piece now is the home, the small projects like we were talking about, purchasing homes and getting them sold. And so the, that's starting to, they're building, that's built out, but the, that system now is in place. So that just makes everything, and, and there's, there's projects, I couldn't tell you all the names of them, but uh, there's probably 20 different, instead of the big, large, like you were just talking about, um, the art loss, and um, th that's to come. Uh, those are more tax credit and bond programs. Uh, but there's a, a whole list of small projects that don't get fancy names. Um, but but there are um, there are families at the end of those of those projects that are living in a safe, decent place that they own now. They own their, their homeowners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, safe is such an important word too. Um, Tiffany and I actually both come from the permitting and licensing inspections, code enforcement, technology world, um, and we, you know, we're able to see firsthand just how important it is to have those inspections, having the code enforcement, having all of those things in one place for people to ensure that they don't miss anything and that their citizens are safe, right? Um, that's what those are there for, to make sure the buildings are safe, make sure the fire compliance is met, you know, all of the things, electrical, plumbing. And, and that's a huge part of, you know, making sure these houses are ready for someone to live in. So definitely understand kind of what you're talking about there. Um, curious, you know, now that you're in the private sector, what do you see for yourself next as far as, you know, serving communities? Talk to us a little bit about your role where you're at now and, and how you see yourself, um, continuing to serve. Well, when I was in the public sector, I don't know if it was a blessing or a curse. That's how you hear me say that a lot is for some reason I was able to understand and see the whole picture. And a lot of that had to do with um, being in Kentucky and, and getting moved around all the different federal programs. Um, and was able to, um, in, in every step of my career in the public sector was to reduce cost um, and increase production. And so much so that, you know, I was a part of a team and, and, and a lot of it I give back to, to, to my leadership in Kentucky and, and, and sort of opening my eyes to things. Um, was able to be a part of teams that broke records, you know, in, in Louisiana, we were breaking the records as far as, I would give you an example. We went from having 60 of those art lofts in production to having almost 150 in production. You know, we broke records as far as how many people we were assisting every year. And all of that I, I attribute to the fact that it was done because we made things easier. Um, and so I think what, uh, what, what sort of has carried me is I sort of have that reputation and, 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 and it's cause it's, it's there, it's in black and white. You can see, okay, this is what we did in 2015 and here's what we did in 2018 and connecting the dots. Uh, so, and then talking with my friends that are, that are in the municipalities and state and other state agencies is, is, um, I can get you there, you know, um, one 
this quick base tool that I'm a part of, uh, that I was blessed enough to be introduced to and, and tap into, um, now I'm able to be on that side of the fence where I can, I can communicate again, going back to communication. I, I can, I can provide insight to the program and to the municipalities and to the government entity. And at the same time, talk to the quick base team and, and bridge that gap. And, and we're not looking at, okay, this is a pipe dream again. This is, this is real. We, we municipalities and you can see it. You see the RFPs, you see it, what's going on. They want a system that can help them manage their funds and they're eager for it. They're dying for it. And so we're going to be able to give it to them. And I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it because it, this, this, I don't, I call it the new wave of technology going from the, the, the big box enterprise systems to the small box. I don't know what the right way to say, but this more flexible enterprise systems that, that can act as a, as an accounting system of record and act as a CRM that can do your process flows, your, your document management. It, it does everything and it can do it so well to where it's, it's, you can, you can redesign your programs each year based upon the need of the community. You don't have to, again, live in the box of what the system wants you to do. So that's where I think I'm going to, and, and, and so much so that I've already got folks that are just, I, 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 when I was bragging about going to the private sector and bragging about the quick pay system, they're like, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready. So I think, um, I think in the next six months or so, as, as it gets built out a little more, um, I'm, I'm, we're going to be walking in their door saying, okay, yeah, here it is. Um, and I know they want it. Cause I, I'm telling you, like I, I've get, I still get calls and messages like, Hey, where's we're needed. We need it. And so it's, that's where I feel like that's, that's why I'm on the private sector side now is to help deliver this product into, into the hands of the folks that um, can use it. For our listeners who didn't, um, who don't know this, Brad is now at one of QuickBase's partners, um, and he's building out and developing QuickBase solutions. So that's um, why he's talking about getting to do it, working with QuickBase so closely now in the private sector. So we're excited to to have you, Brad, on the partnership team um, with with Team Solutions. I know LHC and Kentucky Housing Commission. We're very fortunate to have you, and certainly all those that you'll be working with now that you're in the private sector will be very fortunate to have you as well. And I know that Jen and Jen and I, you know, this is why we have our podcast is because we do really enjoy being out there helping, you know, the front lines and impacting the communities that we oversee. And so we can really relate to that, that feeling of wanting to impact these efficiencies. And we're always happy to be at QuickBase to, you know, provide those services. So thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure and we hope to work with you on some other projects moving forward. I look forward to it. Yes, I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys as well.